Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. To learn more about the church, feel free to drop by fredericksdachurch.org. Experiencing true surrender to God is ultimately the only way to find peace in life's storms. Pastor Quintana reminds us of this and shows us a powerful, real-life example of how it can be done in part four of four of this sermon series. You know, several months ago, I, uh, as I sat with people, as I um, talked with couples in my office, as I saw the news, as I read the newspaper, uh, as I talked with Christians and non-Christians, as I spoke with those that were for Obama, against, uh, uh, for McCain, uh, it didn't matter what political pers- persuasion, it didn't matter what economic, um, um, social economic sphere they found themselves in. It seemed that a few months ago, as I was talking and, and just, just interacting with people, I was sensing this unrest. Marriages, in work, in relationships with friends and family, there was just this unrest around the world. There was just this unrest. And so I believe that the Spirit of God led me to this series on peace. How we can find peace in the storm. And I will remind you that, I will remind you of the title, Peace in the Storm. This isn't a sermon series on how to avoid the storms. This isn't a sermon series on on saying, you know, if you accept Jesus Christ, there won't be any storms. You notice that the sermon series is entitled Peace in the Storm. I understand that there are some storms that we bring upon ourselves. Poor decision making, a lack of uh, relationship with God perhaps. Uh, Poor decision making will sometimes bring about storms in our lives. That's not exactly what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about those storms that will come regardless. The fact that we live in a sinful world means that there will be storms. How can we have peace in those storms? And a few weeks ago, we talked about surrender. And how important it is for us to, before anything else, surrender our lives to God. That if you're seeking peace this morning, the first step is surrender. The first piece to finding that, the, the first step to finding that peace is surrendering your life to God. And then we talked about obedience. How you can renew and how you can experience that surrender day by day as you obey his commands, as you obey his word, his commandments, as you obey his spirit speaking in your life day to day. And then last week we talked about finding peace in remembering not only what God has done in our lives, but remembering who God is. And by remembering what God has done in our lives and by remembering who God says he is, we find peace in the storm. Now, after last week's message. I had several of you that came up to me and said, you know, thank you. 
thank you for these messages because certainly we've been looking for peace and and we've been implementing these things in our lives. We've been trying to implement these things in our lives. We've been finding peace. And then they said, but you know, it's a lot easier said than done. It's a lot easier said than done. I can get up here and say, folks, we need to surrender. We need to obey. We need to remember But it's a whole other thing when you walk out these doors and actually start putting those things to work. Start implementing them in your lives. And I understand that it's a difficult task. And so as I was preparing this week for today's message, I thought to myself, man, if they thought these last three were hard, (laughs) wait till they get a load of the one that's coming. Because today's message is not easy. I'm acknowledging that what I am about to ask you to do is not easy. And it may not even sound practical at first. But if you are someone here today who is seeking peace, it is something that you must begin to incorporate into your life. Now remember, this only works in the context of a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to have that surrendered life to him. If you are not in that covenant relationship with him, if you set out to do what we're going to talk about here today will only bring more unrest, will only bring more of a burden, and and it, it will make matters worse. But if in this relationship with Jesus Christ you choose to go and implement what we're going to talk about today, you will find peace. What am I talking about? Talking about service. Service. Now I know that just having said that word, there are a lot of different emotions that are are rising up within. Because some of you have been burned by serving. To think about being a servant, well, that kind of goes against our nature, doesn't it? We want to be served. And so to think about serving others or serving the church or serving my family or serving my husband, my wife, serving my children, that kind of goes against our very nature. But what I am here to say to you today is that if in this covenant relationship, in this surrendered life to him, you choose to serve, you will find peace. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 3. I'm reading from the New King James Version this morning. Please turn to Daniel chapter 3. We're going to start reading in verse 13. Daniel chapter 3, verse 13. Daniel chapter 3, verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you do not serve 
my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, folks, by all indications, these three young men were good young men. They grew up in a, in a Christian home or I guess you could say in, in a loving home, in a home that, that went about obeying God and his commands. And this storm that they find themselves in right now really wasn't because of them. They find themselves being taken captive into Babylon because of the sins of the nation. It's really not their fault, but yet they find themselves in the midst of this storm. And in the midst of this storm, the king says to them, Do you mean to tell me that you are not serving me or my gods? What's the deal here? And certainly we find ourselves in many storms. We find ourselves in storms at work. We find ourselves in storms in our families, in our church, with our kids. We find ourselves in storms. And like I mentioned last week, sometimes there are storms that we see forming in the horizon that we know are coming. And you know what our natural reaction is. You know what the human instinct to do is to retreat, is to coil up, is to go hide crawl into our shell. But yet, we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego doing something completely different. We see them doing something completely different. We'll keep on reading here in verse 15. Now, if you are ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good, But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? In verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, (laughs) we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we... What? Serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, let's let's get something clear here. No matter what storm is coming, no matter what storm we may find ourselves in, we will serve God. If you're having a hard time serving today, I want you to just look at the difference here. I've been serving the church for 20 years and look what they've done. They haven't treated me the right way. I've been serving my wife And I get nothing in return. All I've done is serve my children. And still, they don't acknowledge me or they don't appreciate me. I've been at that work for 30 years, serving them faithfully day in and day out. And what do I have to show forth? 
Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? Who are you serving? Are you serving the church? Or are you serving God? Are you serving your family? Or are we called to serve God? Are you serving your children? Or are we to serve our God? This is one of those things that's a little bit hard to understand. In fact, the very first time this whole concept was introduced to me was when I was getting my undergraduate degree at Southern. One of my favorite teachers, Dr. Ron Cluzet, some of you may have heard of him. We were in class and I believe it was um, um, church ministry, how to go about ministering to the church, how to go about serving the church. You know, it was a wonderful class. You know, we had mock baptisms. We would get in the, you know, tank and we would pair up with someone and, you know, we would practice. Yeah, we did that. We practiced how to baptize someone. Practice how to go about communion and serving communion. One of the first few weeks of class, Dr. Cluzet says, here you are, setting out to be a pastor. Tell me, who are you setting out to serve? Oh, we're going to serve the church. We're going to serve the members, right? He said, no. No, 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 no. You're going to serve God. (laughs) Well, we kind of wrestled with that a little bit. We argued with him a little. We debated with him a little bit. Well, God, I, 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 Cluzet, we understand the whole, you know, realm, the, the psychological, the, you know, we understand the concept of serving God, but when it really comes down to it, we're serving the people. No. That's where you're wrong. If you set out to serve the people, you will burn out. If you set out to serve the people, you will not last in ministry. He said to us, he said, listen to me. As a pastor, your number one priority is to serve God, to serve God first. And by default, as a result of serving God, the people will be served. And now I bring this concept into our lives. I bring this concept into our church, into our families, into our marriages, into our relationships, into our employment. Because when you put God first and you serve God first, you will find peace in every other area of your life. You look at the life, you look at this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here they are faced with certain death. Here they're going to, through quite, quite a big storm, wouldn't you say? I mean, I don't, I don't know that I would be as peaceful as they were. I, I, I kind of imagine myself freaking out. All right, what, what do you want me to do? How, how do you want me to serve you, O king? But yet, who did they put first? God. Who did they serve above all? About, uh, above anything else, who did they serve? God. And because they served God first, because they put God first, they had peace. 
they had peace to walk through that storm. There are some of you here today who know exactly what I'm talking about. In your businesses, you have put God first. And in your businesses, you know that you're not here serving the people, but in your businesses, you're not serving the community. No, you know that in your businesses, you are serving God. Now, guess what? As a result, the community is served. But because you have put God first, you have peace. Some of you have done this in your marriages. You understand that you're not there to serve your husband. You're not there to serve your wife. Your primary focus is to serve God. And guess what? As a result, you are serving one another. But it's important for us to remember that our number one priority is to serve God first. And if you serve God first, even though it may go against popular culture, even though it may go against what what you think is right, if you serve God first, you will experience peace. And as a result, everyone else around you, the relationships that you're in, the work that you may be involved with, will be served as well. We read on here and it says that Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. (laughs) I wonder why. Why was he experiencing so much unrest? Is it possible that he wasn't serving God? He was full of fury. And the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And we know the story. The furnace was so hot that the soldiers that were taking Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace died. And then then Nebuchadnezzar looks in the furnace and he says, wait a second. Didn't we throw three in there? Why do I see four? And in that storm, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had peace. And Jesus Christ himself was there with them through the storm. Why? Because they chose to serve God first. And as a result, they found peace. There's something beautiful that happens when you serve God first. There there is something amazing that takes place when you put him at the forefront of your life. There's something amazing that happens when you surrender your life to him. And in that surrendered life to him, you choose to serve him first. There is something amazing that happens. Not only do you experience that peace that surpasses all understanding. But as it says, but as it says in Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, it says, Do not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. There is something beautiful that happens when you serve God first. Because when you serve God first, you are going about his business and you are, you are spreading the seeds And the beautiful thing is that it does not come back void. When you serve God, 
whether in your work or in your family, whether in church, when, when you serve God and you, you throw those seeds out, doesn't come back void. No, the Bible gives us a beautiful promise that if you do not lose hope, you will see, you will see the amazing, powerful work of God in your life and in the lives of others. A few months ago, I was talking to Francisco. He shared with me a story that I said, Frank, you have to share this story. No, 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 no. I tell you, I said, Frank, come on. You have to share this story. And so after bending his arm, and (laughs) it's a lot different when you give your back to the, right? It's a whole other thing when you have, huh? But I asked him to step forward this morning and share with us the story that he shared with me. And so I'm going to ask you a few questions. And it's a story I know that you hold very dear to your heart. And uh, I'd like for you to share it with us. Now, it's very difficult to share this story. I know that uh, when, uh, well, let, let me just set it up for you just a little bit here, okay? Early 80s, mid-80s, Rwanda, the country of Rwanda was going through a very difficult, difficult time. And uh, there was something that happened to Francisco with your son Jonathan, right? That kind of sparked something. Can you tell us about that? Well, it was in the middle of the night. Jonathan was two months old, and it was my turn to feed him. And I got up, and he was screaming his head off, screaming. And I wanted to say to him, I have the food. I have the milk. I'm just going to warm it up. But he didn't want to hear that. He just wanted to scream, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And I remember the flutter in my heart. What could I say to him? And I quickly got the bottle to his mouth, and he began to suck on that milk and drink. And I thought to myself, my God, what, is, does mother, what do mothers do in Rwanda and Uganda and Ethiopia? Because they were going through this terrible time. Mothers had no milk. Children had no food. How do you face a child when he's crying for food and you have no food. That's what I felt. And at that moment, while Jonathan was satisfying himself drinking his milk, I thought to myself, I have to do something. I'm going to have a concert at the Kennedy Center. I'm going to have 300 singers. I'm going to put the National Orchestra together. I'm going to bring Metropolitan Opera Stars, and I'm going to do a concert to raise money for these children. All right, so here he is putting this concert together. Now, remember, I I, want to point this out, that Francisco is just one small part of this whole endeavor. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that he could not have accomplished this alone. Because I know that when we talk about the area of service, you may think to yourself, well, what do I have? What can I do? I don't have the time. I don't have the resources. I don't have the skills. 
Can I step on your toes for just a few seconds? Can I? Do I have permission to do so? All right. If those are the thoughts that are going through your head, and I don't have the time, or I don't have the finances, the financial resources, I, I don't have the skills. If those are the thoughts that are going through your head when you're being called to serve, what that means is that you have not fully surrendered your life to Christ. Because when your heart, when your life is fully surrendered to him, you say, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to contribute? This is all I have, God. Here, take it. This is, I know it's not much, but, but take it. Now, folks, we know. What does God do with that? We know he takes those few breads, few loaves of bread, and takes those few fish and multiplies it and feeds thousands. We know that he takes that little vial of oil and makes it last for weeks. We know that he takes that water and turns it into wine. So, so I need you to keep in mind that as God is calling you to serve, you may have these, these emotions of, well, I don't know what to do. Listen, surrender. Surrender your life to God and say, God, here I am. Use me as you might. Now, Frank, you ran into some challenges, right? Yeah. At the I, Kennedy Center? Yeah, they said they, I, I went the next day straight to the candidates and they said there are no I said I want to cons- I want to rent the hall for April 23 and the woman laughed and said three years from now there is not a single night available I said no 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 there has to be I got kind of a vision last night and I know there has to be no she said Francisco get out of my office I'm busy I said you want me out of your office show me the books and so she went to through the books, and we came to April 23, and it was vacant, <laughs> empty. I said, put my name. She said, no, I just forgot to write in the name of the Prague Ballet that's coming. I said, put my name. It's called, it's called discrimination, if you don't put my name. <laughs> I, you may have a visit from my lawyer. Put my name. She said, I'm going to be in so much trouble. I said, not as much trouble as those little children in Uganda and Rwanda put my name. Fine, she said, write your name and write me a check for $10,000 right now. Truth, I didn't have $200 in my checking account, but I wrote the check. (laughs) You wrote a bad check. (laughs) I did. I thought... God's led this far. We're going to keep going. (laughs) I ran home and called, watch out, I called a very rich friend who was an oboist. I called him. I said, David, we're going to be at the Kennedy Center next April, and I chose you to be the oboe. (laughs) Frank, why did you choose me? Because you're the best in town. And by the way, David, I need (laughs) (laughs) $10,000. Write me a check now. He wrote me the check, and I took it to the Kennedy Center. All right, now, 
through, through connections, through meeting with people, this benefit concert became a reality. It's my understanding, as you were sharing with me, there were senators involved. Um, there were people from all over that had come to be involved in, in this. And it was sponsored by World Vision, is my understanding? It was hosted by President Reagan. Okay. And Senator Hatfield and Paul Tribble from Virginia. After I had met with them, someone had introduced me to them. Now, do you have an idea of how much was raised through that benefit? Yeah, we concert? did the Verdi Requiem, and that night we raised $250,000. Wow. And it was because the way God worked, that's all. Everyone giving a little bit right. of, of what God the, had given them. The choirs did it for free, 300 voices. The Metropolitan Opera Stars gave their service, you know, and the orchestra said, you have to pay us, but we'll give you the checks back for this. So we raised $250,000, and World Vision, who was there, I asked that the, that the money be given to World Vision, and World Vision promised me that they would build feeding centers in Uganda, Rwanda, and Ethiopia for children. So, 24 years ago, that's the end of the story. So you had that benefit concert. You, you <clears throat> expressed your wishes. World Vision took that money. They, they put the feeding stations. And 24 years ago, that happened. You soon forgot about the project. You went on living your life. You... you Went on continuing serving God and, and, uh, um, from, from one place with choirs and music. What happened a few months ago? Well, Jan, went, Jan and Jonathan went home to England uh, to visit her mom. And the day of their return, I was at the airport uh, waiting. And they announced the plane was an hour late. So I sat in a chair and re- read a newspaper And while I was sitting there, two young people came walking straight to me and said, Excuse me, but are those two chairs next to you saved? I said, No, please, you may sit. And I noticed that they had a strange accent. And I said, Excuse me, where are you from? Well, he said, uh, I started out in Rwanda, but then I ended up as a refugee in Uganda. Oh, I said... That's interesting. I went back to reading my newspaper. But something compelled me to talk on. And I said, you know something? 24 years ago, I did a concert for Rwanda, Uganda, Ethiopia. And we raised $250,000. And we gave it to World Vision. World Vision? He said... You fed me. I was in the center. I was fed by you. And he threw his arms around me and I, I was completely nonplussed. I, how could this be? This, this is something strange. It's what do you think believe. of that? It's hard to believe. And you kept on asking, are, are you sure? <laughs> well, I, I kept asking him, you know, details to try to... Maybe this is some strange person who just talking crazy to me. That was 24 years ago. Well, that's what happened. Do you believe that story? Spencer, 
like for you to come up. Now we just uh, we just met a little bit ago, and uh, met Spencer and his wife Linda, uh, who's here today as well, and Zoe. Zoe. And uh, I just uh, Frank told me this story a few months ago, and I just thought to myself, God is amazing. Now, Spencer, just share with us just briefly. What was it like? Do you remember that time in your life? What was it like? I know that you lost uh, some of your family. And uh, can you kind of just talk us through a little bit of your experience during that time? Thank you very much. I believe the story from what I call him Papa Francisco since then. And it was a long story because we were going through a lot of trials and tribulations at at that time. We were a small family, and we, you know, when the war breaks out, you all run different directions. Yeah. And when we ran, uh, that's when my mom passed away because she couldn't get medication. And when she passed away, we had to continue running because, I mean, the guns and all the shootings were all coming in our direction. Mm. And we were unfortunate that we were on the side of the we were in the, from the tribe that was fighting the government at that time mm. because it was assumed that the head of the rebel movement by then, who is now the president of Uganda, was from the tribe that was fighting the government of, uh, in Uganda. And uh, so we had to run ahead of everyone because mm. they, they, they could, we could be distinguished. They could tell us that they could see us and they would say, oh, these are the people who are fighting the government. So during that process, I remember being pulled away by this man and then put aside. And I realized a few minutes later that the people I was running with had been shot dead in front of me. I, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's one of the things you're talking in about. In front of you? When we were running, someone pulled me. I just saw a hand. I was, one of, I was at the edge of one of the small People who are here, the small Four boys, years old, five, years old. five years old. And when I was pulled in, the, in this bush, after the guns had gone down, I was looking around, I was walking forward, and then I saw everyone who I was running behind had been shot dead or mm. they, are, they, they are wounded. Mm. And, I mean, I say, this is God <laughs> helping me. Absolutely. And it's the hand of God which is pulling me aside. Absolutely. And then after the, the after it was it, it took a long time it was like one year the war took a long time and when the rebels captured took over power by then we are put we are handed over to the red cross the red cross they say they have the red cross that they they go to different war zones and they rescued us we were small they started feeding us hmm. they gave us food dressing they wow. gave us blankets and they told us what do you want to do with your life so those of us who chose to go back to school and to go back to the normal lives were handed over to the World Vision, mm-hmm. which, started to, which took us over and wow. paid our school fees. And uh, here I am. Wow, praise <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> now, 
Nelson. Uh, he, uh, he told me that for a long time they had to hide in the bushes. And when the Red Cross came, they announced, we are your friends, come out of the bushes and we will take care of you. And they all suddenly appeared in different places out of the bushes. And the Red Cross took them to World Vision. And of course, just by that time, the feeding centers existed. He said they put them in tents and trucks came and gave food every day. And then finally, World Vision paid for him to go to high, grade school. Mm -hmm. yes? wow. uh, those of us who chose to go to school were given, handed over to World, to World Vision, which gave us shelter and, and homes, and they paid school fees for us. And uh, I was happy to go through school uh, up to when I finished college, the equivalent of college here. And, uh, and then I, went to the, I got a government scholarship and then studied uh, first degree. Then I got another scholarship. I came over to America to do another scholarship here at American University. And that's when and where I met my wife, Linda. Amen. And before I met her, <laughs> I had to go at the airport to pick my, my sister who was coming to, to be on our wedding, our sister Maria. She was coming on the same flight with Janet. With Janet. <laughs> and we were seated there, then... Uh, some old man seated next to us. <laughs> and there's something that maybe he, didn't, he forgot. He, was, he, he had some bread. Was it bread? Yes. And I was seated. I'd moved around and I came back to my seat and I found some bread. And I asked him, can I sit here? Can I sit next to you? He said, sure, go ahead. And I said, oh, is there something? Can I eat something from, can I see bread? Can I eat the bread? I was like, no, it's, 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 it's almost finished. And then that's where he heard my accent. And we started talking and talking among ourselves. And then I realized the time which he made the contribution to World Vision falls exactly within the time when I was being fed by World Vision and at this time when I was running away from wow. the guns when I'd lost my family. Wow. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, Spencer. Now, where, where are you at now right now? I just, I, like, are you here in the States? You're... What's, uh, what, I, what's, what's in the plans for you, I guess? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, before I graduated, I met, I, I met Linda at the American University. She was doing her second master's at, at American University. And uh, myself, I, I was finishing my first uh, master's program, which I had got a scholarship from American University. And uh, uh, we went on to get married because she's, uh, <laughs> I liked her. Oh, she liked Lord. me. And, and we chose, we made the right decisions, like someone said, talk, talking to the, to the small kids, that yeah. we have to make choices in life and That's decisions right. to get married, and, uh, and we have a two-month-old baby, and my life next is to settle down with her Amen. wherever we shall be. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, Spencer, blessings on you and your family. He likes so to call me Papa Francisco, yes. and I said to him, if, you're my, if I'm your papa... I have to introduce you to my church and I have to introduce you to the Sabbath because my children become Sabbath keepers. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Blessings on you again, Spencer, Linda, Zoe. Um, as a church, we will continue to lift you up in our prayers. 
and uh, we just we just uh, we pray blessings on you. And uh, what an amazing story! And uh, you, you know, you brought to, to memory um, about choosing the choices that we have in life. And here, Shadrach, Meshach, and in the and Abednego had a choice. They had a choice to serve idols, to serve Nebuchadnezzar. They had a choice to serve God. In hindsight, we look back and go, you made the right decision. You made the right decision, guys, to serve God. Let's choose each day of our lives to serve God. Can we do that? Can can we make a commitment and choose to serve God every day? Folks, I tell you, the peace will come. You will experience that peace. And even more than that, greater than that, you will see. As Francisco has just proven to us here today, you will see the fruits of of your labors as God works powerfully through you. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. They are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can feel free to learn more about them at frederickSDAchurch.org. For more podcasts, you can click on Sermon Audio. 